Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Joe Gazzardi from Progressives for Immigration Reform with an immigration update. Joe, welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for uh, inviting me. I want to start with the U.S. foreign-born population being up. This is concerning for a number of reasons, and yet I don't think people really know this or even think about it. Well, you are dead right that it's concerning. Uh, according to the Census Bureau, which we know is uh, not a biased source, right? They're <laughs> just in the business of parsing the numbers, and the Census Bureau says... Since Biden took office, the foreign-born population in the United States has increased by 2 million people. Staggering as that number is, what I like to point out to people is that that is really only a preliminary number. What happens is that as these individuals stay in the United States, become lawful residents, become U.S. citizens, They can petition their family members who are still living abroad, and they can start families or grow the families that they already have. Two million is just a starting point for the increase in the foreign-born population. You have to include the original uh, individuals, you know, the illegal immigrants that have crossed the border, or the lawful immigrants that entered, you have to include the children that they're going to have. So it's going to be a real challenge in many, many different ways for uh, the country to, to cope with this. You know, they're going to go to school, need hospitals, homes, and so on and so forth. So it's going to add a lot of crowding and a lot of strain on sources that are already crowded and strained, like um, in California or in New York or in New Jersey or in Illinois. So it's an alarming report. People who are unaware or who figure, well, the United States already has 330 million people. What's an extra 2 million people? They need to think it through more fully. Joe, I'm concerned also with these foreign-born populations that they are not assimilating as previous generations have aspired to. I know when my family came here through Ellis Island from Italy, they couldn't wait to become Americans, to join the American culture and really participate in this country. And I'm guessing that things are not the same these days. Absolutely not the same at all. Like your family, Rob, my Italian uh, grandparents came through Ellis Island, and I remember talking to my grandmother when she was older, 
and I asked her to tell me about her American life. And she said that the four most important events in her life were when each of her three children were born and when she became a United States citizen. In other words, being a United States citizen for my grandmother and grandfather was on a par with having children. You know, that just isn't there today. And I have firsthand knowledge of that because I taught uh, English as a second language for many years in the Lodi Adult School, Lodi, California, located in the San Joaquin Valley. So I taught English as a second language, and I taught Southeast Asian war refugees. And, you know, it just wasn't there. You know, the, the real push to assimilate, to become citizens, to adopt to the American way. Now, you know, in fairness, imagine that you're a Vietnamese uh, national and you're fleeing the war and all of a sudden you find yourself in downtown Stockton, California. I mean, that's a huge, huge transition. The point that I would try to get across to my students, the refugees that were in the English classes, look, you're going to live in the United States longer than you ever lived in Vietnam or Cambodia or, or Laos. And if you want to take full advantage of your life here, which can be a very rich and rewarding life, you need to throw yourself into the effort to learn English. Because without English, you are doomed to either a life of welfare dependency or menial jobs. So you're, you're right that we don't see the determination to assimilate that we want to see, especially with the numbers that are coming in. I mean, as we are speaking right this minute, there are hundreds of illegal aliens lined up at the border on their way into the United States. So that is a serious problem. You know, I look at the southern border and I, I've taken to calling it the former southern border because a border is something to prevent entry, and this is doing nothing of the sort. Well, there was a Customs and Border Protection officer who said to some report, he said, look, we've lost our border. Mm -hmm. You're right. The border, there is no border. There is no border enforcement. These people who have come from 150 different countries get easy access to the border, they cross the border, they surrender to Customs and Border Protection, and then they're processed, which is another word for released, and off they go. So, I mean, what is that all about? What's the objective? What is Biden trying to do? Why is he doing it? I mean, these are mysteries to me. Who's whispering in his ear? Are there people behind the scenes that we're aware of who are establishing these lax policies? There absolutely must be. I mean, uh, Biden, in my judgment, is not, you know, he's an older man, 79 years old. Harris has no sway in the administration. So I'm thinking that Obama and some of the other Obama officials that we know to be radically left, Susan Wright, Valerie Jarrett, are, you know, calling the shots. Plus, of course, billionaires like George Soros or 
big-time industrialists, you know, that take advantage of the cheap labor and ethnic identity groups, radicals, you know, radicals. You say that the buck stops with Biden. You know, a lot of people want to attack Mayorkas, which I, I certainly don't agree with his point of view or his policies, but he's responsible ultimately to Joe Biden. So we have to hold Joe Biden responsible, but I don't hear hardly anybody, at least in the mainstream media, holding the president accountable for any of this. That's right. I mean, Mayorkas takes his orders from Biden. And if Biden were to say, hey, that's enough, we're going to secure the border now, we're going to change our policies. We're going to return the illegal immigrants at the border. Mayorkas would have to follow suit. I mean, Mayorkas is a bad guy for sure. He has lied. He's lied to Congress, which is, I'll point out, a crime. In fact, everything that's going on related to the border is criminal. Mayorkas once said, well, you know, we have to allow these individuals in because to give them an opportunity to make their valid asylum claims. Well, we know that they're not valid. They're invalid. Economic hardship is not a valid asylum claim. And he knows that, too. You know, he has to provide some cover for his complete failure to uh, enforce immigration law. A complete failure not only at the border, it's in the interior, too. Mm-hmm. Biden and uh, Mayorkas and whoever else may be involved have completely dismantled all every immigration law on the books at the border, in the interior. I mean, the audacity of saying, well, we're not going to allow immigration and customs enforcement. We're not going to allow ICE to arrest aliens that are located in certain places. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, come on. It's just unbelievable. You know, I've been at immigration for a very long time, more more than 30 years. And what's going on is just unthinkable to me. I don't get it. And I would say that there were warning signs during Biden's, uh, I don't know if you could call it a campaign or not, <laughs> right. he was locked in the basement. But, you know, when they had those uh, debates with multiple candidates lined up on the stage, he said, you know, I, I promise you that I won't deport anybody during my first hundred days. Well, that's a big tip off of where he's going. And he promised amnesty, another big tip-off. Okay, you know, people didn't like Trump. Millions of people didn't like Trump and they wanted him out. But it's hard for me to believe that they could have bought into Biden's agenda. You mentioned earlier that that all of this is going on is illegal and obviously it's contradicting the laws on the books right now. So the question to you is, Joe, where are the courts? I know there have been some rulings in our favor, but it would seem to me that we would have a massive shutdown of all of these problems if the courts were doing their jobs, or are there no suits being brought? There just isn't enough vigorous action to stop it. I mean, where are the courts? Where are the Republicans? Yeah. I mean, where is mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell? Where is the what I would want to see, the universal outrage about this? It just doesn't exist. And if you want to consider that 
Biden's still got two and a half years to go. You know, he's got two and a half years to go. Now, of course, if there's a big triumph in the midterm elections coming up, I think we can see some pause to this. The Republicans have promised to impeach Mayorkas. I believe they will try to do that. So we may see a little bit of relief. But, you know, by that time, there will have been three million foreign-born individuals who have entered the country. And by the way, that number doesn't include the Customs and Border Protection refers to as the gotaways. Mm -hmm. So there's anywhere between a half a million and a, a million of those. And there is absolutely no stomach for deportation. So let's say the Republicans took the White House in three years. They had both houses, a Congress and the Senate. So do you believe that there would be enough push for deportation at that point? Because I don't see it. Well, what I believe is that there has to be. I, I agree with you that there's no stomach for it. And there's a lot of uh, squishiness about, well, you know, so-and-so is just here uh, seeking a better life and all of that stuff. But what I would say is that 2024 is, that's it. There has to be deportations. There has to be enforcement. There has to be E-Verify. Because this can't go on. You know, it simply can't go on if uh, Congress and the White House wants to retain sovereignty. Deportations, okay, you know, they're hard and all of that stuff, but they just have to be done. I mean, when you look at it, look, these individuals have voluntarily and knowingly and willingly <laughs> broken them U.S. laws. So it shouldn't be that hard to suck it up and deport them. But historically, that's, that's been hard. But anyway, 2024 is what I believe to be the realistic deadline to maintain some semblance of sovereignty, and that's going to include border enforcement, interior enforcement, E-Verify. It's also going to have to include, include a realistic, either a pause or a deep cut in these ridiculous employment-based visas. That's a total outrage. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with Joe Gazzardi, Progressives for Immigration Reform, in just a moment. Online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and, in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at Borderhawknews on Twitter. Chilling Show Unleashed. 
We return with Joe Gazzardi, Progressives for Immigration Reform here on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. I want to go to some of the policy consequences because these are critical and you've spent a lot of time writing about these. First of all, let's talk about housing costs. We're all complaining in this country about how much it costs to rent, how much it costs to buy. This is a matter of supply and demand. And you mentioned these millions of people coming into the country illegally. There's no way that's not affecting the supply. Oh, for sure. They absolutely need housing. That's one of the first things that they're going to have to find. And while some of these uh, people will rejoin their families in the United States, most of them are going to have to find housing. You take, for example, California. Believe the average rental in the Los Angeles area for a small studio-type apartment is approaching $2,000. Well, in what way is a recently arrived, uh, non-English-speaking, limited-skilled alien going to be able to afford housing? And what the ultimate consequences of that will be, I believe, is an increase in the already staggering homeless population. You know, I mean, what, what does all of this lead to? So, so the latest now from the White House is that Biden has decided that he's going to ship illegal immigrants off to Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston. So all of those places have the same problems that Los Angeles has, which is very expensive housing, a high population of of homeless people. And if you've seen the footage, and I'm sure you have, if you've seen the footage of the individual's who are approaching the border and waiting to cross the border and crossing the border, it's pretty clear that they are not going to be, at least in, in, in their initial months in the United States, they're not going to be able to make meaningful amounts of money. You know, they may at best become day laborers, work for cash off the books, uh, 10 bucks an hour or something if they're lucky. But... What will become of them? That's what I would like to know. I look at the individuals who are coming from the 150 countries. Most of them don't speak English. Most of them appear to be uh, low-skilled. What becomes of these individuals? We're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out, and I believe that the picture will not be pretty. Along the same lines, there are issues with consumption and inflation in this country. And we have a lot of people chasing too few goods right now. And I think this, obviously, millions of people is going to exacerbate the problem of the ability to maintain or obtain even basic supplies like baby formula. Just an outrage, a real a disappointment and an outrage that nobody in the White House has apparent, apparently nobody has stopped to say, well... Okay, you know, we have these existing shortages and we're adding lots more demand through our open border policy. So what is ultimately going to happen here? I mean, are poor people to begin with, are they going to become destitute when they settle into the United States? Just a policy that appears to be drawn up to mm, kind of punish Americans. I mean, that if you wanted to really punish 
patriotic Americans or just Americans in general, what you would do is open the border, let anybody who can get to the border come in, allow massive amounts of fentanyl to come in, allow sex traffickers to have a free ride to ply their trade, and just let it happen. And for uh, people who voted for Trump or people who want to maintain sovereign America, well, that's just too bad. Joe, you've talked a lot over the years about environmental impact of illegal immigration. And so I want to talk very specifically about water. Uh, We see water as a major problem, particularly in Southern California, but also in Texas and maybe across America, the loss of habitat and farmland. No doubt. I mean, that's another element that we can talk about, sadly talk about at length. Southern California, as you pointed out, some areas of Texas, even areas in in the Midwest, water is a problem. Uh, You're allowing 2 million people and more. You know, we know there's going to be more. These people are going to drink water. They're going to bathe in water. They're going to wash their cars uh, and all of that kind of thing. They're going to be consumers of water, and they're going to be consumers of uh, other resources that are in short supply. Again, nobody stops to think about it. And you take, for example, Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom, the Mm -hmm. governor of California, the statements that he's made about illegal immigration, even as the wildfires rage in California, and even as as they're talking about rationing water, well, you know, everybody is welcome. Come on in. We don't we're happy to have you here. Well, what is he talking about? I mean, I don't understand that at all. It's not as though these new immigrants are going to vote for him. They don't have voting rights. And it's not as though he needs to say anything. What he should be saying is, hey, look, we're kind of tapped out here in California when it comes to population. We've got 40 million people, all of whom consume water in multiple ways. So we don't need anybody else right now. I was born in California and I lived there for a long time at two different intervals. I can never remember when I started doing immigration, which was back in 1986 during the Immigration Reform and Control Act. I can never remember anybody in California uh, in a position of political influence saying, oh, you know what? More population is a problem. We have problems there. When I was born, there were 10 million people in California. Now there's 40 million people. The state predicts that within 20 years, there'll be 50 million people. But that prediction was made before Biden. So it's entirely possible that in 20 years, California will have 52 million people. That's 25% more people than live there today. Now, you try to imagine what California will look like, what the roads and what housing and what schools and hospitals will look like with 25% more people. That's a rough vision. It's unfathomable. Now, there are some interesting things happening politically, Joe, and that is that Hispanic voters are abandoning Democrats in numbers that have been unseen previously. So I guess the first thing is, who are we including in this group? And what have the typical voting patterns been for Hispanics? 
Well, typically, Hispanics have been lockdown, 100% supporters of the Democratic Party. What's happening is that there's been a, finally, there's been an awakening that Democratic policies haven't helped Hispanic Americans at all. And the idea that Hispanics want more immigration has just proven to be false. So there have been some wins in uh, congressional primaries and also in the 2020 elections by Hispanics. And we saw clearly on the Texas border cities in 2020 that they abandoned uh, the Democratic Party in a big way. We're beginning to see the evolution of the Hispanic voter and to a lesser extent the black voter. You know, Democratic policies, especially as they relate to immigration, have been hurtful to them. Here is the way that I have also tried to explain it. Let's say that you are an illegal immigrant who has come to the United States a week ago. That individual is the most hurt by the illegal immigrants that continue to come. So you're an illegal immigrant and you're already here and you're down at the day labor center trying to get a job or you're trying to get your kid into public school or you're trying to find a place to live. Well, you've got a tough road to hoe. The illegal immigrant that follows you into the United States is going to make your road tougher because he's going to be at that day labor center tomorrow too. So instead of competing with 20 other illegal immigrants at the day center, now you're competing with 21 or 22 or 25. So, you know, more immigration is bad for everybody, especially the illegal immigrants who are already here. I do see a a shift coming, and I expect to see that shift uh, from Hispanics supporting Democrats to Hispanics supporting Republicans more pronounced in 2022. It will be fascinating to watch. Joe Gazzardi, if people want to get more information on your work at Progressives for Immigration Reform, tell us how they can do that. Uh, They can go to pfirdc.org, and they can go to substack.com. My archives are at both places, and they can also email me at jgazzardi.com at pfer.com. I would love to hear from your listeners. I certainly hope people will take advantage of that opportunity. Joe Gazzardi, thanks for your ongoing work. appreciate you joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. It was real fun. That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.